Welcome to the Grad Student Coach Podcast. My name is Jed Irvin, and this is episode 10. This episode is called Anchor Management. And you may have noticed it's a pun on the phrase anger management. Now, one thing I may not have shared with you is that I love puns. The worse, the better. And if I come up with one that's really good, I cannot resist sharing it. And in this case, when I was coming up with the title for this episode, the term anchor management just fit so perfectly after I had come up with the pun, I realized there's really no way I can't call this episode anchor management. Now, of course, if by some uh, miracle my podcast starts to get listened to by millions of people and this term gets thrown around, it will just be utter confusion because you can hardly tell it from anger management when you hear it. But I'm so attached to a good pun that I'm willing to take that risk. So anchor management it is. But before we start, I want to give another thanks to my Patreon subscribers. And I wanted to mention that in episode four, I outlined a tool that subscribers have access to called the Expectation Dashboard, which is a collection of questions that, when they weren't asked, led to problems in a grad student advisor collaboration. And uh, the news today is that I've added a new section to that document for working remotely. And so just trying to entice you to go check that out. All right. Anchor management. So some of the things I talk through on this podcast come from a model that I've developed called the story flow model. And the best way I can describe it is that it's a model of the underpinnings of human social interaction. Now, I can't describe the whole model here because it would take too long, but I'm going to use a piece of it today uh, to talk through this. So one of the things our brain does when we experience life is it records memories of those experiences. And in my model, how I view that is as the brain writing a story. So you experience something in the world, your brain writes a story about that, and then that memory or that story is available for use later. And one of the things it's used for is to help identify if that same story is happening again. And if that same story happens again, the recording of it in your brain gets a little more vivid and is strengthened. Now, if a similar thing happens, not identical, but a similar event happens, that story that was written still gets reinforced, the parts that overlap. And so the more things that you experience that are all similar to each other, they all kind of feed into uh, one very vivid uh, story in your mind. And if the things you're experiencing have an emotional component to them, then that story is going to be hooked into a feeling memory. Now, the feeling memory 
as a very interesting thing. Like if I, if I say uh, to you, um, think about the last time you saw the number two. You're going to call that up in your mind, but very likely you won't have a feeling associated with that. You won't have a sudden chemical release in your body that will change your state, your physical state. But if I tell you to remember the last time that somebody insulted you, and you call that memory up, what'll happen is, since that memory has an emotional component to it, that memory is actually re-expressed in the present to some degree, but a byproduct of that memory being re-expressed is that you re-experience it. So it helps reinforce the emotional component of that story as well. Now, this doesn't just happen with negative events or painful events, uh, positive ones too. So if you think about the last time that somebody gave you a really nice compliment, you'll re-experience the good feelings you got then to some degree. And that will help reinforce that memory. And when we go over and over these memories again that have emotional components to them, if we ruminate, that's a word for that, uh, what can happen is the feeling component can grow and grow and grow and get blown out of proportion. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's say that I'm afraid of public speaking and I've only done it once and I managed to crank up the courage to do it. But when I gave the talk, my experience of that was that I was boring everybody to death and I felt like I did a horrible job. But now I'm coming up to when I have to do it again. And so if I keep thinking over and over and over again about how I bored them to death, I'm a boring speaker, I really don't want that to happen again, but I'm really afraid it's going to happen, that I'm going to be a boring speaker again. And then an hour later, I have the same thought cycle. The anxiety can become so intense that right before my next speech, I might throw up or I might pass out or have a panic attack. And Really, the only thing that happened the first time I went out there was that I didn't get a standing ovation, so I thought I was boring. Now, you might be tempted to view this phenomenon as evidence that the brain has a design flaw, but the same process can be a feature, and I'm sure it was a feature as far as our evolution was concerned. And so I always think of these things as design trade-offs rather than flaws. Uh, feelings in general, they make life worth living, and yet sometimes they can make life a living hell. So that's quite a trade-off. But there's another layer in this design trade-off to talk to, and that is that emotional memories, memories in general, tend to behave like magnets, meaning they it's like they want to live. They want to pull stimuli into them to reinforce themselves. Now, I'm not saying that 
a memory as like a live being that's trying to survive, but the effect is kind of like that, and I'll give you an example. So let's say the first time I gave my speech that was extremely boring, I just happened to be in a room filled with people who were wearing white lab coats. Let's say I was at uh, some research lab and everybody was in their white lab coats and kind of like cartoonish style. And I gave this really boring speech. And what will happen with that is because the white lab coats were something that I noticed as part of that negative experience, the notion of white lab coats will be hooked into that memory, hooked into that emotional memory. And so if I see somebody, if I'm not used to seeing people in white lab coats, the next time I see somebody in one of those, it will likely pull me into the memory of giving that speech, and I will re-express the emotional memory associated with that just because of the white lab coat. Now, this is far afield from the quality of my speech, how they took it, but the brain doesn't really discriminate when it's trying to tie things together to look for things to use in its pattern matching. And so if you have an emotional memory, especially one that's been ruminated on over and over again, all sorts of things are going to get tied into that And anything that's even remotely reminiscent of that event is going to get matched. And so what could the consequences be of this? Well, let's say that the person walking up to me in the lab coat was the person that's going to interview me for the job. And when they come up, they sense this incredible apprehension about me because I'm having this memory. And they they think, oh, clearly this guy doesn't want the job. And that first impression they have is then the first memory they have, the first emotional memory they have of you. And if that was potent enough for them, it doesn't matter what you say after that about how enthusiastic you are. They saw your apprehension and mapped it into some story that they were putting together and no job. And so, you know, that's that's like the worst thing that can happen. I'm not saying... That's usually why people don't uh, get jobs, but this effect is strong enough that it certainly has the capability to undermine all sorts of social interactions. Now, this is exactly the process that I outlined in the episode where I talked about feelings framing leading to fantasy fitting. So what does all this have to do with anchor management? Well, the anchors I'm talking about are those feeling components of memories that re-express in the present and try to pull you into the past, try to convince you that what's happening now is the same as what happened back then. Or more to the point, how it played out back then is the way it's going to play out now. And it's that re-expressed feeling that's going to pull the meaning of what's going on into the direction of that emotion. In other words, it's going to anchor it. So when does a story that my brain has written 
become one of my core beliefs, it's when that story has sufficient emotion attached to it, sufficient emotional memories attached to it, that it's effectively anchored in place. And these core beliefs can be very difficult to change because of that anchoring. Anytime your mind gets in the territory of that belief, it's going to get pulled into one of those emotions that's going to reinforce it. So what's helpful about me going through all this with you? Well, anchor management. The idea there is these anchors can be managed. And there's a certain process that you can go through to do this. Now, if I was coaching you and you came to me and said, Jed, I've written a story about myself that I am a horrible public speaker and I'll never be able to do public speaking. And if I just said, yes, you can, that's not going to do anything for you. You're not going to just take what I say and believe it because believing it means that there has to be enough emotion tied to it to make it stick. Now, if I tried to coach you into believing that you can be a great public speaker, what making it stick means is that when I mention public speaking to you, the first feelings that come up are positive ones and hopeful ones, not negative ones. And that just cannot be accomplished by me just stating a fact that is in disagreement with your fact that you will never be a good public speaker. So how do we do it? How do we shift things? Well, I want you to imagine that we're standing on a big chessboard. Now, we're not going to be playing chess, but we're using the chessboard because it's got squares that you're familiar with. And let's say each of those squares is three foot by three foot. So we can walk across this big board. And as we walk across the board, we notice something. We stand on one edge and one of the squares along the close edge. We feel like we can't do anything. Everything's pointless. We don't have any skills. Nothing's going to work out. But as we walk towards the other side, the next row has us feeling like, well, I doubt I can do it. Going one, going one row further, you're like, well, maybe I can do it, maybe I can't. And then finally, when we get to the other side, we're like having these feelings like we can do anything. There's nothing that can stop me. So somehow, moving around this board kind of controls how empowered we feel about something. So now imagine a 50-pound stone sitting on one of the there's no way I can do it squares. And this stone is our emotional anchor. So when I just tell you that you're going to be a fine public speaker and you have nothing to worry about, that's like me just kind of blowing on that stone, hoping it's going to move across the board. There's no way it's going to move. It's completely anchored to that spot. So the process I'm going to outline is that we're going to move that stone from one square to the next, basically making this journey in steps 
which means you're going to make this journey in a way that at all times you sincerely believe the reality of where that stone is sitting. So since this is going to be a square-by-square square maneuver, as your coach, the first thing I'm going to do is to tell you a story about just the next square. I'm not going to tell you a story about the far side of the board. We're just not there yet. But I'm going to tell you a story that's compatible with the story that you have, but that has different emotions associated with it that aren't as negative. We'll probably go with neutral. Now, part of you believing this story is that it's not in tension with the old story. It's got to be compatible so it won't be rejected outright. So let's reframe this imaginary uh, situation just for clarity. Let's say that you've come to me for coaching because you've given a few public talks and you feel like you're a really boring speaker and it's just not in your nature to be entertaining when you're giving a talk and you're just afraid to go out there again because you think people are going to be really bored and you just see no possible path to it being any better. So the story you've written about yourself is that you'll never, you're never going to be a good public speaker. Now, the compatible story that I would give you is that you've given three talks, and in all three of them, you weren't very entertaining because nobody taught you how to be entertaining in a talk. Now, this story is completely compatible with the other story. There's not going to be any tension between it. You're not going to resist it. There's no reason to resist it. For now, we'll just assume that you hadn't had any lessons in public speaking. And my coaching to you would be, whenever you have that feeling come up about the next talk, make sure to think about this alternative story and feel that as well. And if you do this enough times, at some point, it's going to be the first thing that comes to mind. It's going to be the first story that expresses an emotion, but it's not going to be as fatalistic an emotion. It's more just facts about the past. Then the story to get you to the next square would be something like, nobody taught you how to make a talk interesting, but there are some simple tricks you can learn to make it much more interesting in your talk. So see how I tied the previous story into this new one, making it a nice smooth non-conflictual story, but notice how we're subtly moving into more of a sense of empowerment. We started out with the, I'm never going to be able to do this. Now we're to the point of things are possible. But the actual moving of the stone, the process of moving that stone is the iterations of thinking about the story with this other story in mind and letting it become the thing that becomes the story that comes to mind first. And once you've shifted the anchor to one of the squares that is tied to feeling empowered, where things feel possible, that's when you can be taught things without resisting them. That's when you'll have hope that, yeah, maybe this is possible. Maybe, maybe it is possible that I could be a really interesting speaker. And then with some coaching and picking up certain techniques, chances are, you will become a more effective speaker. 
So anchor management is the slow, deliberate shifting of the emotions around the thing that we're working on from a place of disempowerment to a place of empowerment. Now, since I'm not one-on-one coaching you, the good news is that you can coach yourself in this way. The only thing you need to do is perform the creative act of coming up with the story that's going to get you to the next square. Now, there is a formula for doing this, and there is some logic to it, since what's anchoring you, the anchor that you're trying to conquer, it's trying to pull you into the past to convince you something about the future, if you think of it that way, the alternative story that you're going to come up with is not going to be about the future. It's just going to be facts about the past that are less judgmental and more analytical. So in our case, we went from, I'm never going to be able to be a good public speaker to, I gave three talks and they were all boring. And you'll know you found a good story because it'll feel different but it won't feel as bad as the other one. Just ruminate on that for a while until the stone moves to where that's the first thing that comes to mind, and then you'll know you're ready for the next story. And the next story is going to aim towards something that it's going to aim towards a place of empowerment. Now, if you try to come up with a story that it is going too far across the board, you'll know it right away because your brain will just say, well, that's never going to happen. And when your brain says that's never going to happen, you know that you aren't, you don't have a story that's compatible enough to avoid firing up that, firing up the old memory in resistance to the new memory. Now, if you're just having real trouble and can't come up with a story that fits the bill, a new story that feels right, there's a a mental wrestling takedown maneuver that always works, which is just tell a story about the story. So if the story is, I'm never going to be a good public speaker, then the story about the story would be, doesn't it suck that my brain has written a story that says I'll never be a good public speaker? Doesn't it stink that my brain has written that story. That gets you to the footing of the fact that your brain has written a story. Then you can go with, just because my brain has written a story like that, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Then it could be, why did my brain write that story? And then it could be, all three times I gave a talk, I was really boring. And now you're back to where we started. And you can take it from there. Well, now it's time for the challenger round of this. In that past story, I said that, let's just say that you had not had any coaching on how to be an interesting speaker, but let's say you have had coaching. Let's say you've had years of coaching, and no matter what you are taught, you practice it offline, it's fine, and then you go up and talk in front of people, and everything's different and it just doesn't work. And so you have 
absolute proof that you're never going to be a good public speaker because you have, let's say, 100 data points and it's never worked out. Well, let's try our technique here. Okay, so we're not going to think about the future, about the next talk. We're going to think about the past. And the past story is I've given 100 talks with all sorts of training, and it always goes wrong. Okay, the non-conflicting story would be I've done all this training, I've practiced a million times, it goes great, and then I go and give the real talk, and it goes wrong. Something is different about the real talk. So that makes perfect sense. Something must be different. And the next thought is, something must be different. What is it that's different? And the idea here, this what is it that's different, when you answer that question, eventually you'll come to a feeling. And that feeling is an anchor, and that anchor is powerful enough to pull you off of all your training and all your rehearsing. So once you find the anchor, then you're back in the game. So that is anchor management. So just to run through this whole arc again in review, emotions and emotional memories can act like anchors to stories that have been written by our brains, such that when we recall these stories, our sense of what's going on gets pulled in the direction of that emotion. And this can lead to a situation where if we have a negative story that we've written about ourselves, if we keep calling that memory up and ruminating on it, we can effectively become trapped in it. And the possibilities for what we can do moving forward are reduced. And so the idea is how can we work with these anchors to change things so that we have more possibilities. And so the technique is we shift the feelings around a story one step at a time. And we do this by coming up with a compatible story that usually tells a larger story usually about the past, something that happened, uh, that's more factual and less judgmental, and thus completely believable and in sync with that story we've already written. So if we keep this compatible story in mind, such that when we recall these stories and we have these negative feelings about ourselves, we also have that other story and think through that, what that's going to do is dilute the emotional impact of the more negative story. And eventually, if you tie them together enough, the more factual story, the less judgmental one, will start to feel more true because it is more true. Then you've successfully changed things so that the first feeling that comes to mind is the feeling associated with this new story and you are one square across the chessboard. Now, how many squares wide is the chessboard? Well, that just depends on the situation, and it depends on the way you're able to craft the story for each step. But the fact that you can make 
small steps means that your brain will resist you less when you try to make each step. I told you how if I just tell you, if you're in the state where you're stuck believing that you'll never be a good public speaker, if I just tell you, yes, you can, what I'm asking you to do is take a leap of faith, meaning there's no way you really believe it. I'm asking you to believe something that you can't really believe. You just got to trust me. But with this kind of work, the chances that you're going to be pulled back by one of those anchors is really high. And so it's just much more effective to move the anchor across the board one step at a time. Okay, well, I hope this technique has proven interesting, and I hope that you're able to use it and leverage it to make some progress on unblocking yourself on some things that you've either been afraid of or lost confidence in or have just been lost in in general. Okay, so one last thing I'm going to mention briefly before I sign off is that um, I think I may have said in a prior podcast that this is a very part-time endeavor. I only have uh, three or four hours a week to write, record, produce, etc., etc. these things, which is a challenge. And uh, But I have this Patreon site where I'm providing additional materials, and I just had an idea for an additional tool to put on there for the people that subscribe to the tools tier, which is just $2 a month. Uh, so for the tools tier, I'm going to have a document that I'm going to call the nutshell document. So I'm going to go back through my episodes and boil them down to the bare minimum words needed to express the ideas in there. So the idea would be that you'd be able to get a reminder about each uh, lesson or concept by reading just kind of one paragraph. And that way it would be a good reference for you going forward. You wouldn't necessarily have to go back and listen into, listen to an entire episode again. So I'm going to start on that. might be a little bit before I uh, get it together uh, with my limited time, but that's my goal. So that'll be over at patreon.com slash gradstudentcoach. Okay, signing off from Not Really in Control of My Coffee Habits Studios. We'll see you next time on The Grad Student Coach. To help me keep this podcast going, you can support it at patreon.com slash gradstudentcoach. There you can access additional resources and join the community to help guide content of future podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at GradStudyCoach.